Hi, Beck. Hi, Zoe. How are you this morning? I'm good. We're back. We're back in business, baby. For another episode. This one's the saucy one. And who are we joined by? Uh, we've got Chantel Otten, the amazing award-winning uh, sexologist who is also a renowned author. And she talks to us about intimacy uh, and connection with your partner. So this one's a funny one because it's kind of like I feel like when we've talked about it with our friends and stuff, testing the waters, there's this like intrigue and interest but then this overwhelm and nervousness. Like, Yeah, and it's always going to be an elephant in the room. Like it is so hard to talk about, you know, intimacy, you know, sometimes with friends and ultimately with your partner. Yeah. It's, it's an awkward topic to bring up. It's not a natural thing, especially if you're finding yourself in a long-term relationship where um, routine and the grind kicks in and you it, it, all of a sudden the spontaneity is sort of gone. Gone. <laughs> For lack of a better word, gone. not there. <laughs> and you're just trying to figure out um, – because one of the things that Chantel, one of the many things that she taught us, the uh, she had lots of – incredible advice, was um, that there's going to be a point in our lives, if you do have children, um, that they won't be there anymore and then you're left with your partner. And, you know, that reminder, you're like, okay. That sounds so depressing. <laughs> but, no, ultimately I think, you know, when your children leave home, you want to still have a connection with your partner and, and something that's just yours. Yes, yeah. Definitely. Well, and she mentions a connection with yourself, which is funny because you don't really think about that. I think no, you, no. as women we put everything else first for whatever reason and then uh, that's something that's so integral and that connection with yourself is also then what grows your connection with your partner. Yeah, and, and you have to be happy and confident within yourself to, to I guess, project that onto others and, and go into it feeling a sense of happiness and self-worth. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's like we say it, but it's so damn hard to, to make it actually happen. And put it into practice. Yeah, especially with social media now too because I know I've stopped – I've started the process of unfollowing everybody that makes me self-doubt because it honestly affects me to a point where if they affect me and then I don't feel good and then I feel like I don't look good and then I don't want to be intimate and then this ripple effect happens that all of a sudden it starts um, ultimately affecting intimacy as well. Yep, true. So, all so, true. Yeah. So we really needed to learn from Chantel. <laughs> we did. And thank God she's here and we're thrilled that she was willing to have a chat with us. Yes. So Thanks, Chantel. Welcome. Uh, okay, so I am a sexologist, which is like a glorified word for a sex therapist, basically. Um, my background's in psychology, and then I uh, studied science in medicine, and I specialized in sexual medicine and studied sexology overseas. That's a lot of kind of blah, blah, blah. Basically, I'm a detective into people's sex lives. So if there's a, a question, a concern, you know, a goal uh, that you want to achieve in your sex life, then it's my job to make sure that we reach that goal and, and we make that happen. And, uh, yeah, I'm the author of a book and I work in media as well. I love it. And I'm so excited that you're here talking to us because 
Sex is such a fun and exciting pleasure, but there seems to be this ongoing um, theme within amongst, I guess, a lot of our friends and women of our age, which are we're entering into our late 30s, where they park their sexual um, desires and prioritise everything else. And so to have you on and be talking and getting your advice is very exciting. So my husband just wanted me to like pop a little disclaimer here. He's like, everything relates to not us, it's friends. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Charlie. <laughs> There's some nerves going on from the husbands and the background or partners. Um, but body positivity, that's one thing that I love that you promote a lot. And it made me realise when I was thinking about talking to you today, you, um, a lot of the images that you post is such a mixed array of females and bodies and shapes and sizes and, and, and it how much it directly impacts, makes you grow your confidence when you feel normalised thinking, I don't have to look a particular way. Do you find when you speak to a lot of your clients and stuff like that, that um, body dysmorphia and body positivity impact the way in which they interact with their partner? Yeah, so you're talking about like self-esteem, right? Yeah. And you're talking about... Um, your confidence in the way that you feel within your body, the way that you feel that you look to others as well, um, and how it affects your sexual self-esteem. Yeah, it's a huge, you know, we, I mean, we all grew up in this circle on diet culture. We all grew up with, uh, um, you know, magazine articles and websites telling us how we could lose five kilos in five days. And uh, the way that we, I mean, I think back when I was growing up, it was about, this like very toxic notion of like heroin chic, which is uh, just, you know, sensationalized media articles saying that you had to be super skinny. And um, I think that we have come a long way, but I think if you, if you even look at like the narratives now that are in the media and, and the changing kind of landscape of the very, very fast changing landscape of 2022 and how we look at celebrities and, and other people, um, we are kind of toing and froing back and forth. So I think that there was a lot of progression in the past few years um, in terms of sexuality, in terms of body image, self-esteem, but I do think that there is definitely regression um, probably in the last 12 months that I've seen. Uh, and yeah, I think that, I, I think that for me, my main goal is to make everyone feel normalized and feel comfortable mm. um, discussing sensitive issues. And that includes how you feel about yourself. Um, one of the main things that I do talk about with my patients is setting boundaries around diet culture conversations, um, especially with friendship groups and especially with children around um, and with parents, because I think like our parents are probably the main ones that we also need to talk about this stuff with um and i think a lot of the time people don't realize that you are allowed to set boundaries around these conversations you don't have to talk about diet you don't have to talk about what's naughty and what's not naughty you should just talk about what feels good and what's pleasurable for you and what you enjoy mm. instead and what you know makes you uh feel like you've got enough energy and what or, or what just sustains you what can you actually just deal with at the time i mean Come on, we were just talking about the fact that I've come here from the airport and I've had five hours sleep three nights in a row. I'm not coming home thinking, yes, I need to cook a really healthy salad. <laughs> like, I'm ordering a pizza and I'm, when my partner's away, I order like three pizzas and I eat them three days in a row. Like, it, it, that's what makes me feel good and it's what I can deal with at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I think, you know, I, I also think if we're talking about, 
um, being parents and, and motherhood as well, uh, as you were saying before, like we sacrifice so much as parents. I'm not a parent. I've got a sausage tongue. <laughs> sacrifice <laughs> enough for him. But, um, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we, we shouldn't just think about like thriving all the time. I think we should just think about survival a little bit more. Agreed. Yeah. We've, we've, we've kind of come this way where we've shifted way too much into this healthy we have to be healthy all the time we have to you know we have to be working out we have to be eating all the greens we have to be doing all these things it's like how much pressure can you put on yourself you switch from it's like it's a 180 you switch from pressure on one side to pressure on the other side and then you're switching it back and forth because you don't know where you're meant to be sitting on that spectrum yeah, yes. I, I mean, it's I'm, exactly. like, I'm like, oh my God, so much clarity. <laughs> but also exactly, exactly what I struggle with on yeah. a day-to-day basis of like, and then I find if I don't tick all those boxes that I feel like everyone's telling me I'm meant to tick, then I find it really difficult to get in the headspace to be anything to anyone, you know, mm. like to be intimate and to be um, excited. Um, how do you, when you talk about setting boundaries, in practical terms, is that literally saying like we don't, we, you know, we don't let's let's change the direction, like saying to your children or your partner or someone like we don't let's not talk about diet, let's talk about what what you enjoy or what are practical tips that of setting boundaries in conversation with partner and families? It's not even just with partner and families. I think it's more friendship groups, to be honest. Um, I think it's like, hey guys, uh, you know, like. I notice this conversation's coming up a lot. It's, I don't think it's really serving any of us. And I think we just need to focus on fun topics instead of getting a little bit bored of having these conversations. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think any of us are actually enjoying them. Like, are you enjoying talking about keto? Because no. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and you know what? You can just say, I don't really want to talk about that anymore. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have to explain any further than that. And so if we're talking about, I mean, Zoe and I have been in long-term, and again, I guess both of our partners have sort of said all references are about external parties and not us, but long-term relationships. How do you um, suggest you, I mean, you get in habits and routines and you start creating structures to get through the daily grind and sometimes that can erode away at the spontaneity of intimacy and connection. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest is a good way to break those down um, in in practical terms, I guess? Stop aiming for spontaneity. <laughs> no, I feel like that never happens. Well, look, it happens in the first two years of your relationship, but then that's when all your hormones are risen. That's called limerent stage. That's when you have, like, passionate love and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I found you and where have you been all my life? Does that ever come back? Well, hang on, hang on. You're jumping ahead. If I could bottle Limrands and sell it, I'd be worth so much money. <laughs> and, and hang on, does that come at every age? Um, look, I, I think in terms of like getting in a new relationship. Yes. Yeah. Like, are you always going to have that feeling? Oh, look, no. It, look, no. It, it really depends on like who you're hooking up with. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. If we're yeah. talking about long-term relationships here, we have been sold this... Oh, this dream of spontaneous affection, intimacy, eroticism, sexuality. Um, but at the end of the day, you actually need to focus on responsive sexuality, responsive eroticism, responsive intimacy. And that's where you go, you know what? Like, 
I'm exhausted. I might not be vibing it tonight. I might not be feeling about, you know, like I'm in the mood. And then you say to your partner, why don't we just like snuggle or why don't you just like touch me a little bit or da 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 da. And you start feeling like their hand on your skin or vice versa. And you start going, hmm, this actually does feel kind of good. Like, yeah, maybe I can lean into this a little bit more. And then, you know, that's when your body starts might start feeling like a little bit more aroused depending on what's happening in your body i mean look the odds are against us we've got medications we've got exhaustion we've got stress we've got inflation you know all of these things oh inflation's a sexy word (laughs) i think if you if you actually can go actually responsive desire is what i'm aiming for because that's the norm like that's the majority um that's when you will find more success and i think you need to be having a lot more um kind of responsive eroticism before you start getting the uh, spontaneous eroticism again. So you need to have kind of a lot of maintenance kind of eroticism, a lot of maintenance sex and play and fun, and then you will start getting more spontaneous fun as well. I love that. I I guess that does make sense. Acknowledging as well, I guess, when your partner is making those hints or signs and then trying to respond yeah and and also and just say if you do this i might be able to lean into it like actually tell them they're not mind readers they don't they're just seeing you going like this and you're like (laughs) 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 you need to be like you know what like maybe like i could but you just need to run your hand up and down my back a little bit more and let's see how we go because life is, I feel like, so much nicer when you do have a great connection with your partner. Mm. Yeah, physical connection. Physical and, yeah. and mental. Like, it all kind of flows through and life's so much more harmonious. Yeah. Well, with that, so you, I mean, if you're trying to reimagine what your intimacy is, you know, for us, Zoe and I, it's um, post-children, and now we're trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to engage talking to my partner about it and, and so that he's he feels comfortable but also trying to define boundaries do you it's a really awkward conversation to be able to have with your partner mm-hmm. do you have tips on how to bring that up and and talk about what the boundaries are yeah so i think the hardest person to talk about sex is with, like with is your partner um and that that's the same for everyone you're definitely not special you're very normal um i also think it really depends on your partner's emotional intelligence and ability to um, have any type of conversation. You know, a lot of us have partners that are reactive and have low self-esteem in this area or might take things personally, and that can make it extremely challenging. So figure out your, your method Uh, to your madness when it comes to this topic you know don't have these conversations in bed when you're going to have sex have them you know maybe when you're driving in the car i think especially if you're in a cis heterosexual relationship and you've got a partner who identifies as male a lot of the time you kind of need them to be focusing on one thing and talking out the side of their mouth on another thing so maybe when you're driving you know that's when you can start bringing it up or maybe you can just say you know, I'm writing you a letter telling you how I'm feeling about our sex life at the moment and some things that I would really like to try or really love to improve on. And you do a compliment sandwich. I love when you do this, would love to work on this. Thanks for doing this. You know, you just, there's just so much like method that you need to put into these conversations. It's definitely not easy. And the reason why I have a career and a practice that's successful is because it's not easy to talk about. So therapy is also 
wonderful yeah. if you can manage to have a conversation to even get to that space as well. Yeah, right. Mm. I mean, if we're talking about going beyond the two of you and introducing products and toys, it feels like the world that world is so vast now. There's so many options. And, you know, gone are the days of, I mean, maybe back in the day I might have wandered into sexy land here and there, but I haven't been for a while. Where, how do you even start looking? Where do you recommend? Do you look with your partner? Is it online? And, well, and also, like... I also think you don't want to offend them or make them feel like they're not, you know, adequate and you're not enjoying them. So it's like how do you have that conversation as well about, you know, exploring different things? Um, well, I suppose you just touched on that, but together. You know, do either of you have a partner whose penis vibrates? Unfortunately, no. No. <laughs> no, and, you know, the penis is nowhere near the clitoris. A lot of us need our clits simulated to feel really good. Um, and, look, I think at the end of the day, it's not about replacing your partner or making them feel inadequate. There's just some things that will add to your sexual life that will be, you know, it's, it's like going to a, a restaurant and you say to your partner, yeah, let's go to the, like Leonardo's, whatever, the local Italian restaurant, and let's get some red wine. We'll have spaghetti bolognese and tiramisu for dessert. Cool. Sounds great. Nice night. You know, you had a lot of fun. And then you go, let's go on a date night again. I want to go to Leonardo's and I want to get spaghetti bolognese and a red wine and tiramisu. And they go, okay, that's weird. We just had that. Like, <laughs> I know what to expect. It is good. Like, it is good. Let's go again. Okay, cool. And then the next time you go out and you're like, let's go to Leonardo's and let's get spaghetti bolognese, red wine, and tiramisu. And they're like, I'm not excited about that anymore. Like, we've done that. Really? It's the same sexual menu. No, you want to go and you want to have a different main, a different entree, different side, different dessert, because you cannot desire something that you that is predictable. Mm. And that's kind of what sex toys and lubes and different locations and different times do. They add that excitement. You want to have something to look forward to. You want to create a fantasy in your mind about what is going to come. And you have to look at sex toys like the condiments like they are there to add some spice some flavor some you know taste to your meals that are already good but could taste better if they had a little bit of variation in them right that is literally the best um correlation for me it makes complete food and sex hang on hang on so this is a running joke between well actually our whole friendship group we do we whatsapp this article to each other all the time was a few years ago it was in it was on the cut and it's called Too Full to Fuck. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's all about... So much sense. Um, and it's also about that pre- that pre-date anxiety. Mm. Like, you know, I find that if you book things in, like you've got your anniversary coming up, special occasions, so much thought planning goes into this, but there's also so much anxiety. Like you're thinking, okay, well, I've got to perform here. You know, I also want to eat dinner. Um, I'm someone that, you know, I want to enjoy the whole thing. You're putting too much. I'm not talking. Yeah, I think, like, we're adding the meal and the sex together. We don't actually. I was just making an analogy before, but I hear what you're saying. You're like, we go out, we eat a nice meal, we're so fucking full and tired that we want to go to sleep. So I think there is something to be said about having sex before. Yes, absolutely. And maybe having just more low-key sex you're talking about performance anxiety because you feel like you have to have the full three-course meal in the i'm talking about in sex. the bedroom <laughs> i'm not talking about 
out your degustation for your anniversary. Goudemont. I think Goudemont. I think like you need to separate the two, right? Like yeah. all of us are exhausted. We're not going out. We're, we're just excited to have dinner. We don't want to have to think about. Oh, I can't eat this because I'm going to get bloated. You know, I can't have seven courses because how am I going to do doggy style later? Like it's, you have to separate the two and maybe you need to have like a sex date night and then a food date night, right? Like you need to have more little dates rather than putting so much pressure on such a huge one big date. Yes. So yeah. then does that lend to if you have time. <laughs> you can do it at why don't you, I mean the sex date can just be like, you know what? I know that Sunday morning like the kids will be watching TV. Like let's just put a lock on the door, close it, have half an hour together, like have a quickie or get in the shower together and just be naked together. It doesn't have to be like it, it can be 69, it can be oral sex, whatever you want it to be. It's still sex. Sex is an umbrella term. It doesn't mean penetration. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to reach a goal. It just means you need to feel pleasure and have fun. Again, it reminding, even having someone say out loud, and especially someone of your expertise, say, you know, it doesn't have to be, I think I'm an extreme personality where I'm either all or nothing, and I'm, I'm going the whole hog for the beautiful date and the hotel room and the whatever, and I'm feeling pressure, 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 but simplifying it down to the smaller moments, mm-hmm. um, which for whatever reason is not common sense in my, like, our <laughs> daily grind. you've watched a lot of movies. Yeah. You know, that... that I am a movie holder. Yeah. It, well, it's just, it's very... Um, Hollywood, isn't it? That yeah. Views very Disney, and yeah. it's not real life. Yes. Yeah. And I think just holding hands, like literally, just you know, going for a walk, having a drink. Mm. You know, again, it comes back to connection. Mm. And I also think, like, what you're talking about is super normal. Like the amount of fights I think probably all of us have had mm. when you put so much pressure on a date and you get home and they've, you know, your partner's done something that's a bit out of line, and you're like how dare you? Like, I have put so much effort into this yes. and this is what my expectation yes. was and you haven't met it, da-da-da-da-da, and then you end up having And they're not it. like, the I, I don't want to do it again. No. Like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. do this again. This sucked. Like, it's about that expectation that you have that actually just needs to shift and probably there needs to be some vocalisation around what those expectations are. Yes. And so, like, having those conversations, as you were saying, like, driving in the car and compliment sandwich and then talking about what our expectations are of, of finding those moments. Because I definitely, I mean, I know I, I struggle to have those conversations. So I think driving in the car is... A, it's the best idea. Yeah. Even just, like, using one of my Instagram um, posts and sending it on... And going, hey, like, this is super interesting. I know we're really tired at the moment, but why don't we, like, why don't we have a look at this? We should try it on Saturday morning. Yeah. Put it in your diary. Yeah. Put sex in your partner's diary. If you have a shared one. We do. Go go. Google diary. Sorry, I popped it in the office one. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm coming to the office at lunchtime (laughs) on Friday. I'll see you there. Be ready. I've got my trench coat on. So then the concept, the old concept of weekends away, do you feel like that, I mean, obviously they're still going to happen and they're important, but um, that it's not, it doesn't come down to that. We're saying it should be the smaller moments and they should be separated from the food date to the, to the sex date. So, because I know, for example, once a year we plan to go away, you know, and then it sort of does. But again, doesn't that come back to just having time together? So I'm knocking things around. 
like you've got to prioritize like spend some time alone because otherwise you never do you never once a year first and foremost is not enough um because your kids are going to grow up and leave you you want to be able to have like something there that's you know a bit cheeky at the end right and and that's not me criticizing you i believe me i know what it's like to not have any time with your partner Mm -hmm. um and i think that that conversation has to be an ongoing one that's not criticizing and it's not like you can complain of course but I think it's more like okay well what can we do rather than what can't we do I think what the conversation here needs to be is you need to redefine what sex is within your relationship mm-hmm. instead because um you can have oral sex like quickly and you can have shower sex and you can say it's not about penetration or you can say it why don't you watch me use my vibrator on myself or something like you need to break down what your definition of sex is and look at it as an umbrella term and say, okay, well, why don't we break up sex into small bite sites chunks instead of like just fucking or making love or whatever into this huge big deal. Yeah. Um, that's going to take a lot of time and you both are feeling like, we have to achieve otherwise it's we're doomed our sex life is doomed if we don't get this right because it's i mean i don't know if there are stats and statistics on um the actual physical connection part being like a relative and imperative to continuing a long-term relationship is there look um it's really individualized and I think that sex will mean a lot in some relationships and not a lot in others, but it has to, that definition is down to you as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there, there is statistics that say that a healthy sex life will, you know, end up in a happier relationship. Um, and, you know, that also makes sense to me because you release so many wonderful endorphins when you are intimate with each other. Uh, and you do build a higher connection and you do tend to be more happier and more active and there's a bit more shine, uh, uh, glimmer in your eye. Um, But again, it it just comes back to sex is what you make it and achievement is what you make it, you know. I think a lot of the time as well when we have um, like vulva owners, for example, who can't orgasm, sex isn't about orgasm for them, it's about pleasure and connection. So you have to, yeah, talk about your priorities. There's some really great books, you know, out there. Like Esther Perel has a really good one called Mating in Captivity. She's got some great TED Talks on desire and long-term relationships. Sandra Patot has great work on this, and she has a lot of practical exercises that you can do because this podcast episode is wonderful, but it's not going to fix your sex life. You have to change. Mm. Both of you have to change, and it needs to take a proactive approach because... Look, all the eroticism that you're actually putting into your work, all the energy, the erotic energy, the creativity, the imagination. I'm not talking about sexual energy. I'm talking about erotic. It's like the way that your mind is putting a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of effort into certain things. A lot of that goes towards work and it goes towards kids and it goes towards making the family house fun. And we don't put enough aside to put into our sexual relationships. So you need to think, where am I putting my erotic energy? Is it work? Is it kids? Where is it going? And then, I mean, when I use the word erotic and it makes me do, it does make me think of porn. I mean, do you, what's your, do you find porn to be healthy or unhealthy or best of both? Or is it finding the right porn? Like, how would I? 
porn is about entertainment. It's not about education. And I think it, it, it <laughs> to and fro, look, the porn industry has changed a huge amount in the past two years as well with OnlyFans coming out. We have ethical porn that's been in the making for years and years now by some wonderful um, filmmakers. We have our old style, you know, red tube porn hub kind of vibes. Um, and that is porn and you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know the ethics behind it. Um, and, you know, a lot of that pornography, you don't see labia minora, um, you know, you don't see or protruding labia minora, you don't see vulvas, you see, you know, no hair, you see big dicks and you see a lot of like screaming and moaning. It's like really jarring. And um, that's also like not realistic. So porn can be good if you enjoy watching it together or if you enjoy watching it by yourself, if you're masturbating or self-pleasuring, whatever you want to call it, I'm not, I'm not um, anti-porn. I'm just about what, well, what porn is good for you. Mm. What's going to make you feel good. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I, I would have no idea where to start with it. There's a lot of great websites out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Ethical. Yeah. And I, I think it also is like how much... Uh, is everyone self-pleasuring as well? Where does masturbation come into the piece? Because you are your best sexual partner. You are your own best sexual partner. So we can put a lot of pressure onto our relationships, but we can also go, okay, well, it's actually not, like, you can't change your partner. Your partner has to change themselves, and you can have those conversations, but you need to start changing first. You need to lead the way, and hopefully they will follow if they see that you're taking a proactive account uh, mm-hmm. approach. And you're communicating that. Mm. Um, do you um, have preferred products that you recommend that um, for lubes and so yeah. on that can support and help partners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think, like, first of all, like, just sending each other products. Like, Love Honey has a huge range, and they just send stuff out in a brown box, and it comes, like, two days after you order it. It's incredible. They have such a huge range, all these good guides online on what you can do. And what I love is there's couples kits, right? There's, like, a weekend away kit. There's a beginner's bondage kit. There's a, you know, it it has everything that you need in a box because if you don't know where to start, these kits are a really good foundation. You can unpack it. they've done the hard work for you. They've done it all for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Happy birthday. Exactly. (laughs) And they've got good games on there as well. Like they have like great like four play games, card games that like. Yeah, fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, so much fun. Like vibrating knickers, like all of these cool things that are a bit more like, they're not so serious. Well, it puts the humor into it and that's what's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we ask all of our guests this and it's a hindsight question. In hindsight, um, what would you tell your younger self about your sexual confidence, your boundaries? Do you have things that throughout all of your education that you've learnt that you would pass down to yourself in your 20s? I think that... um Sex is for everyone. Sex is for pleasure. You don't have to achieve a goal during sex. Um, Sex for you as a vulva owner is super important. Uh, It's not just about pleasing someone else. Um, And I think that it's going to ebb and flow. Don't expect it to be, don't expect to have high libido all the time. Don't expect sex to be good all the time. Expect for it to be good enough, but it doesn't have to be like, 10 out of 10 every single time you, you go for it. I think it's more like as long as it's, you know, consenting, pain-free, pleasurable, enjoyable, then that's pretty good. Mm. And then you will have times where it's like wild and exciting and like, whoa, what the hell was that? And I cannot believe we just did that. 
That will happen at other times, but it doesn't always have to meet this standard that you see in movies or pornography or that you've become, you know, that you're comparing it to your best sexual experience ever. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> Good enough, sex. Good enough. Um, thank you, Chantal. That was phenomenal. No, my pleasure. You, uh, we are so grateful, especially given you've flown in from straight from Sydney and you are so busy and you um, have shared so much. We've learned a lot. I saw your eyes just going like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Don't we all, though? I think that's super normal that, like... Like all of us, including myself, will have difficulties with sex. Sex is going to be challenging for literally every single person that has it. So it's super normal to get worried sometimes or, you know, have questions or be concerned. Yeah. Just quickly on that, if we ever wanted to book in a session with you or anyone at your clinic, Mm. how do we go about doing that? Literally just Google my name, Chantelle Otten, and my clinic will come up. It's literally at ChantelleOtten.com. You just send in a booking inquiry. I look through every single email that comes in so I can allocate you to the right specialist for you because obviously not everyone specializes in every single area. Yeah. And yeah, you can do telehealth, which means that you can sit in the comfort of your home and do therapy. Um, You can start doing individual therapy and then bring your partner in if you like. Um, You can do in person. If you're you're, uh, in Melbourne, we have a clinic in East Melbourne. Um, And you don't need a referral. Um, You can just literally inquire and say, this is what I'm concerned about. You don't even have to do multiple sessions. You might need to just do one. And that's totally fine. And my last question is just um, I'm looking at you thinking um, as the woman component, how on earth do you juggle all of this? I mean, we talk about not superwoman and juggling all these hats and playing all these different roles to different people. Mm. How do you find, is is it organisation, is it planning time out for yourself? You have a, a huge online following, profile, media presence, and then a... And a clinic. I'm just sort of wondering how on earth you feel about the hats that you're juggling. It takes a village. I'm not the other one doing it. No, look, it's, it takes time to go, you know what, I need help. Like, I, I don't do all of this. I have a, My best friend is my manager. She knows me, you know, she knows everything that's going on in my life. In fact, I can't really hide anything from her. And that's fine. Like, that, like it's not fine. It's fucking great. Like, I'm so blessed to be working with her, just like you guys are working together. I'm so lucky that my best friend manages my life. Her strengths are organization. My strengths are chaos, you know. But my strengths are people, communication, conversation. I have ADHD. I'm not the one that's going to be getting myself from A to B on time. I get I get picked up. I get taken to the airport. I get picked up at the airport and taken to the next place. I'm not the person that's kind of going around. Today, I drove myself here, which is why I was 15 minutes late. <laughs> um, but uh, I also, you know, I have my, my staff are so wonderful to me. Um, I'm not a micromanager. I'm a very hands-off manager. They basically run their own practices within my clinic. Um, I have, a, a, a f- like, one of my sexologists, she does the organizational side of things, and we just work together as a team um, because she's got a newborn as well, so I'll do some things that she can't do and she'll do other things mm-hmm. that I can't do. Um, and then 
At home, um, yeah, I've asked my friends to move in with us because my partner's away five nights a week and I'm away at least three to four, so they live with us to look after the dog. It's not, I'm not just this one, like, woman who's a super, super woman. I'm just a normal person um, that is very lucky to have cultivated such a wonderful community around me and have, uh, you know, have the ability to ask for help as well. I could not do everything myself and I would never, yeah, I would never claim that I could, to be honest. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we always talk about, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're with you. It does take a village and we're so grateful that you were willing to contribute to the Not Superwoman community. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys. Subscribe.